Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. We need to get a little atmosphere going here this morning. Hold up your Bibles or, or your, your devices or whatever you've got here. We're going to make this declaration of faith. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. This is God's word speaking to me. By hearing it, I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That just kind of sets the vibe, doesn't it? Amen. Well, it's Memorial Day weekend, and, and so i uh, got a fitting message here. It's on memorials. I mean, uh, kind of common sense here. Uh, that's what I chose, and, and um, so we're going to talk about a, a few different things here. So I want, want you to walk away with three things. Number one, uh, what actually is a memorial, and why do we celebrate Memorial Day? You know, what is it, and, and what does it stand for? The second thing is, is that there are a lot of Christian m- memorials in our lives, uh, one of them, you know, is this church. You know, being around 40 years, I talked to a couple that was, was in visiting from Rapid City after uh, the first service here this morning, and they go to a spirit-filled church out, out there in Rapid City. They're here, here visiting some uh, uh, relatives over the weekend, and, and they just said, man, when, when we walk in here, we just, we feel the anointing, the atmosphere. We know that the spirit is moving. That is a, that's a memorial, amen? And then the third thing is, is, is these memorials, how they impact your lives and, and the lives of those people around you. So again, um, you know, natural memorials, your Christian memorials, and then memorials that happen in your own life. So the word memorial, the definition, the, Bibli- or the, the Webster's Dictionary definition is this. It's something designed to preserve the memory of a person or an event. So I'm going to read that again. It's something designed to preserve the memory. That word memory, you think about it, memorial and memory, it preserves the memory of a person or an event. You know, we've got various statues and, and monuments around. You know, like, uh, I traveled a lot in, in my junior high years. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it like I would now if, if I were to go out and travel, you know, with my family and so forth. But my mom took us out on this, this 10-day bus trip out on the uh, northeast coast, uh, you know, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., up into Canada. The main thing I remembered was going to a Red Sox-Yankees game. And, but again, we went to a lot of different memorials. Uh, and one of them that really stood out to me was the Vietnam Memorial. You know, that was obviously a, a divisive war. I wasn't alive at that time. However, I know, you know, that, that uh, there was a lot of division over the war and so forth. However, when you go to that memorial and you stand there and you put your hand on the wall and, and over 58,000 men and women that, that gave up their lives for, you know, that war, I mean, that's humbling. You know, it creates that atmosphere. I know Arlington Cemetery that, you know, you can say what you want to say about war and, and various things, but you go to places like that and just the gravity and the weight of, of what happened, it, it just, you know, again, it, it's humbling to you. You know, I've been out uh, to Pearl Harbor to, when I was in junior high as well and, and just standing there and knowing that there was a ship underneath that had been, been sunk by, by the attack on, on Pearl Harbor and it was still you know, 30-some years ago, still leaking oil out. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. But again, that was a monument or, or a statue to, to bring us back into remembrance of, of what had happened, the Statue of Liberty, uh, the 9-11 memorial. I mean, if you were alive during 9-11-2001, I bet you're like me, you remember the exact time, 
place, you know, where you were at when you learned of the attacks that happened on the, on the American soil. You know, I've had the opportunity to, to hear uh, George Bush uh, Jr. speak a, a handful of times, and you know, he just talks about when he was in that classroom and, and how the Secret Service agent came in and whispered in his ear that America was under attack and, and how you know, he, he had to respond. He had to maintain his composure there and wrap up what he was doing. And then he, he went to being the commander-in-chief and, and just kind of how that unfolded. Again, that 9-11, there's a, a monument or a memorial there so that we never forget. Amen? So that's one way. Another way is, is various holidays or holy days. And Memorial Day weekend is one of these holy days. Christmas is a, is a holy day where we remember the birth of, of Jesus Christ. Christ. Easter is a, is a holy day that, that we celebrate in, in uh, uh, Christianity. And then we've got these various rituals. And again, we'll, we'll talk about a handful of those. And ritual, it's not a bad word. It's not this religious word. It's something that brings us back into remembrance of something, a person or a place or an event that happened back in time. So again, that we do not forget. The Bible definition of a memorial is, is simply remembrance or a record or a reminder. Say reminder. Reminder is the key phrase or the key thing that we want to have. We want to have a reminder. So obviously Memorial Day weekend, uh, here's some facts about Memorial Day. So it's an American holiday. You know, it's observed on the, on the last Monday in, in May. It honors the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military. You know, and a lot of people get confused between Memorial Day and, and Veterans Day. And Veterans Day is a day where we honor those troops that are either currently serving or, or have served you know, and I, I talked to my buddy Tavin and, and just asked him just some various things and, and you know, kind of came to the conclusion through reading that most, most uh, veterans, it's not wrong to honor them and so forth, but on, on Memorial Day, on this day, we honor the troops and the soldiers that lost their lives in combat and in battle. Amen? So again, never, never wrong to, to honor our troops and, and thank them for, our ser for their service and so forth. You know, just for reference, I was never in the military, so that's when I was talking to Tav and I said, hey, I'm ignorant. I don't have the knowledge of, of what you have, and so I'm coming to you humbly, you know, not, not condescending or with any preset agenda. I'm, I'm here to learn, and he educated me on a few things, and, and that's how we need to be, amen? We, you know, and, and you know, I know Darnell, we brought him over to the house when, when the whole George Floyd incident happened and, and, and the racial tensions were going, and, you know, instead of, like, forming my own opinion, I never, you know, grew up as a young black male in America. However, he did, so I brought him over, and we sat at our kitchen table, and he educated myself and my three boys on, on the things that, that are happening and how he grew up and, and the things that he had to battle and so forth in the United States and see having conversations like that that are open and honest discussions where, where you're willing to ask questions and willing to humble yourself and, and recognize that, hey, you are, we all are ignorant of certain things. We all don't have the answers to everything. And, and again, we go out and we ask and, and then we ask the Holy Spirit, hey, give us wisdom on this situation. And that's what we should be doing more of. Amen. So this was, Memorial Day was originally known as Decoration Day. It, it originated in the years following civil, the Civil War, so think about that, back in the 1800s and, and became an official federal holiday in 1971. So, you know, obviously in our culture, we, we a lot of times we look at Memorial Day as, hey, it's the end of the school year, it's, it's the kickoff to summer, we have barbecues and, and do picnics and, and spend time with family, and I, I'm sure I'm going to overeat and eat too much. You know, by a show of hands, how many people are with me tomorrow that, that, that you're going to do that? And there's nothing wrong with doing that. And I'm not trying to guilt you and, and you know, shame you and say, hey, you know, we, we shouldn't be doing those things. However, 
We need to recognize, you know, what it's really here for. And, and I, I found a, a quote by a military person. It was actually the wife of a soldier who had lost his life, and she was widowed as a result. And, and she said this, however you spend the holiday, please take a moment to do the following. Number one, read God's word. Number two, remember our fallen soldiers. And number three, pray for their families. We owe these Americans a debt that we can never repay. So Father, we just come to you right now and we pray over the families that have lost loved ones. God, we speak peace into their lives, God. We just pray, God, that they would sorrow not, that they would realize that, that their loved ones, that their sons and daughters or, or parents, were, they did not die in vain, God. That, that, God, you have a plan and a purpose for everything, Lord. And God, we just, again, we speak peace into their lives and we ask you to be there with them. Holy Spirit, just wrap your loving arms of protection around them. And God, just draw them to you that they wouldn't run from you, but they would run to you in their time of need, Lord. We just ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 13 and verse 7, it says this, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If, you, if revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. And it says, if honor, then honor. And that's what we're doing by honoring and respecting those fallen troops and, and those soldiers, those men and women that, that gave up their lives on Memorial Day. We honor them and we respect them on this weekend. So again, when you wake up tomorrow morning, let that be the first thing that you do. You know, it's a day of great. You get to have a day off work, sleep in a little bit. But again, spend time reading God's word, you know, praying for their loved ones and, and um, doing what this gal Gal said, amen. And a quote from, I got from another uh, military person. This veteran said this, I guess some people think we deserve this since we raised our hand after all. The misconception is that we're into war, that we love it and we want to kill people. But when you raise your hand, the killing is inevitable. And when people die, the aisle doesn't matter. Republican, Democrat, does not matter. We soldiers want peace. Those soldiers, they want peace. But the media continues to sensationalize everything, and we're humans, not some tool. Again, when I called Tavin the other day, you know, I just asked him some questions about, uh, you know, the military and, and um, you know, if he had, it was hard to ask these questions, you know, have you lost some, some friends or, or some loved ones that you served with? And, you know, the, the thing that struck me the most was, I said, why did you get into the military originally? And, you know, he said things like, I had family that served, and, and so it was, you know, kind of a legacy thing that, that we did. Um, he said things like about he wanted to protect, that he wanted to serve, that he wanted to be part of a brotherhood. What I didn't hear was that he wanted to go out and be aggressive and, like, kill people and shoot people. That wasn't it at all, and that's not it whatsoever. Again, the soldiers want peace. Amen. But he told me a story of a, of a young man that he, that he grew up with, you know, kind of through the rankings and, and, and how this guy, you know, he and, he and Tavin kind of butted heads. And, and a lot of times it's, it's because we're alike, right? Amen. You know, you put two alpha males together and you kind of butt heads. But, but when the rubber meets the road and you realize that we all have each other's back, and that's how it should be in Christianity too, unity, right? Where we, we all have each other's back. It should be a brotherhood, and, and it should be a sisterhood where we, we lift each other up and, and we work together. And, and so he, he shared a little bit about that, and then he said, uh, you know, Tavin was stationed over in Korea, and, and, and this gentleman was stationed over where there was, was active war going on, and, and, the, and the guy made it home. However, you know, he was dealing with things, again, I've not been in the military, so we don't know the things that these young men and women, they see, the things that they experience, 
and how that shapes and, and just gets burned into their minds. And we don't understand that if we've never experienced it. And so, unfortunately, this guy, you know, battling PTSD and, and, and whatnot and ended up taking his own life, which, which is a travesty. And so what's the wake-up call for us? Again, to be praying for these young men and young women. We have the answer, amen? And a lot of them, he said, turn to drugs and to alcohol. They're just trying to cope. They're just trying to make sense of the, of the, the things that they saw and, and experienced. You know, we weren't raised up and we weren't created necessarily to do that. However, for someone to live, someone must die many times, amen? And whether you agree with, with that or not, you know, that's how it is at, at times. John chapter 15, verse 12 through 13, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And I read that and I was like, you know, it kind of seems like, a, like an oxymoron or like a, a contradiction. I was like, he says, love one another as I have loved you, but he says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You know, I think about like, there's evil in this world. And you think about where did, where did warfare originate? It originated in heaven when Satan tried to usurp God's authority and, and you know, he, he got puffed up in pride and he said, he said, I don't wanna just be like God, I wanna be God, I don't need him. And so he got puffed up in that pride and God took care of him immediately and he cast him out of heaven. He didn't play around, amen? But that's where warfare started. And the Bible says that the God, little g God of this world, has blinded the minds of those that think not. That, that you know, and we've been taught that when Adam, you know, uh, basically handed over the keys of authority to Satan, that, uh, you know, he, he's the ruler of, uh, of this world. However, because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he took back those keys, but you've got to know that authority, amen? Praise God. But we've got evil that, that, you know, is out in this world. You know, you think of a, of a guy like Hitler. You know, I went back and, and uh, studied the life of Hitler and, and kind of what was his beliefs and what was his vision, what did he want to accomplish. So he believed that the Aryan race, that, that a tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, man and, and woman, that, that that was the perfect race. And racism, it comes from Satan. It's a demonic force, Amen. It's not about flesh and blood, but about principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. So obviously Hitler was demon-possessed. He was evil. He was wicked. And so he believed that this white, blue-eyed, you know, big, big brawny people, that, that this was the Aryan race, and that if you were anything against that, um, any other race, if you were, you know, maybe handicapped, homosexual, anything that wasn't perfect, he was going to wipe you out. He saw that you stood in the way of what it was, his vision that he wanted to accomplish. And he had a, a deeply ingrained belief in what it is that he wanted to fulfill. And he was going to fulfill that, that vision and that mission. Andy Andrews wrote this book, How Do You Kill 11 Million People? Think about that. How do you even kill 11 million people? It's like taking the, the city of New York City and, and, and how do you kill everybody and dispose of the bodies and so forth? He did it very systematically, very demonically, amen. That was evil and that was put into the world. Into the world. You know, Hitler with, with Germany and then Italy and, and, and Japan, those three nations, they teamed up and, and you know, were wanting to conquer the whole world. And, and Japan, you guys know the story, they attacked Pearl Harbor and it says that they believed that they woke a sleeping giant. And America... You know, not that we wanted to be in that war, but we had to be in that war. Amen? 
And again, whether you believe it or not, evil has to be eradicated. You look at the stuff that's going on over in Israel right now and, and Hamas and how these, these radicals, they wanna, they're shooting missiles into, into Israel. Hey, it'd be awesome to go out and you know, bake them a cake and, and make them a meal and sing kumbaya and give them a hug and tell them God loves you. About this time you're hugging them, they're stabbing you in the back because their belief is that if they cr- kill you know, Jewish people, Christians, that that is like a... a for sure get into, into their heaven, amen? They believe that. They're so, so strong in their belief that they're willing to strap a bomb to their back and run into a building and, 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 and hit the trigger, amen? That's how strongly they believe in their religion and their God. They serve a false God, amen? How much more should we believe in our God? However, it's a big difference. Our God, it's not about working our way to our God, amen? It's about what he did 2,000 years ago, and we love people into our kingdom. However, there's times where evil has to be stopped, which I don't love, but it is what it is. The same veteran said this. He said, it's good for people to sit around, barbecue, and, and shoot the breeze and have fun. It's a really good thing. But their ability to do so came at a cost. It was not free. Some of their aunts, uncles, cousins, or distant relatives served and gave their life for us to have this ability. We should, take, we should each take a moment, and we should reflect on that. Amen? So again, Memorial Day, it's simply a, a day to recognize and really value the price that's been paid for our freedom because our freedom doesn't come free, amen? So we just recognize that here today. So that's the first thing I want you to walk away with. What is a Memorial Day and what is actually a memorial? Now, Christian memorials, the second thing. Uh, again, a memorial means something designed to preserve the memory of a person or an event or it's a reminder. You know, birthdays are a, a memorial, Amen. <laughs> I asked my son when he came in and he gave me a, uh, shook my hand and gave me a hug and said, happy birthday. And I said, do you want to hear my birth story again? He said, no, I'll call Grandma Hearts on that. She'll tell me. Unfortunately, Grandma Hearts can't really remember my birth date at this point, but it's all good. She'll still tell the story how she wants to tell it. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities, which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyard and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, you think about America, we've eaten and we're full. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You know, comfort's a, it's a great thing. However, comfort can turn into complacency, Amen where, you know, we get spiritually fat and happy and, you know, our fridge is full, we've got clean running water, we've never really known to go without. You know, uh, Melissa and I uh, and, and many of you have served at the Gospel Union Mission. Even a homeless person here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, they can eat seven times a day. They say two different breakfasts, so Union Gospel Mission, there's the banquet, three times for lunch and two times for supper. They have seven meals a day that they can, they can get. And hey, God bless America. It's awesome that, that we take care of people that, that have fallen on hard times and so forth. That's not my point. My point is, is we are so comfortable. You know, you, you, but you look out on Facebook and you look at the things that you don't have rather than what you do have. You know, many of your lives would be a miracle life for people that are living in third world countries. But again, it's just keeping it in perspective. Amen? Um, so again, it's, it's about not forgetting the Lord. And, and the reason, again, that we have memorials is so that we remember and we do not forget. Some Christian memorials that we have are things like Passover, like the Sabbath. You know, Pastor Mike always talks about the, the soccer fields just being jam-packed on, on Sunday morning. I'm sure there's tournaments going on this weekend, and it's like the value, 
You show what you value by your time and your money and where you're at you know, on Sunday morning, and now I'm seeing it, you know, with my, my oldest son being 18 and, and going out into the world, and it's like, you know, he's never, never bucked coming to church, and, and you know, I, I faked being sick growing up, being a, a, a denominational boy, you know, they'd put us in a, in like a white-walled room, and we'd color pictures of Jesus, so every Sunday morning, I was like, I got a gut ache, your mom's like, you don't got a gut ache, get up and, and go to church, but they never did that, amen, and now, now his, his uh, friend Saran, she, she follows in along, along behind that, because it, it's valuable to Noah, and, and he's been taught and trained that, and, and he values the house of God, and, and she's learning that now, amen, whether, whether she was raised that way or not, so again, it matters whether you're honoring the Sabbath or not. The Feast of Tabernacle, you know, the manna in the Ark of the Covenant, like I said, there are tons and tons of memorials all throughout the Bible. One main one that we all know is the rainbow. Now, you guys know the story, you know, Noah's Ark. So, so God, you know, he was frustrated. He wasn't just frustrated with the people at the time. Here's what he said. He said, I, he was sorry for ever making them, and it broke his heart. The creation literally broke his heart. But he come to Noah and he said, you know what, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to rain down rain from heaven. Now, it had never rained up to that point, so it was something all brand new. But by faith, you know, God told, Ab- or, uh, told Noah, go and build an ark. And by faith, Noah did that because he was a man after, after God's heart. So he just trusted God and he went out and built that ark. And they say it took anywhere from 55 to 75 years to build that. My buddy Mike DeYoung, is, he's on a, a road trip. They're down in Florida right now and they stopped at the ark encounter down in Kentucky, and it's something, you know, that, that's on our list of, of things to do, and he said it's just amazing when you walk up there, the, the sheer size of this thing, it's, it's a replica of the ark, and I, I'm sure they built this thing in a couple years with modern technology, but you, you know how crazy everybody thought Noah was for, for building, an, and it's going to rain, I mean, it's never rained ever before, but again, he heard from God, and he acted on the word that God said, and in Genesis chapter 9, verse 12, And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. So again, we know the story. God floods the earth 40 days, 40 nights. They, they get into the ark. God protects him and his family and destroys everything else. And now, you know, God says this rainbow, anytime you see a rainbow, that is a remembrance. It's not like, you know, it, it implies here like God needs a reminder. He doesn't need a reminder. We need the reminder, amen? And this is a, a way that you can teach the Bible to your kids. When you're out driving around and, and it's raining out or maybe you look out after, after a rain and you see a rainbow out there, man, gather all the kids and point to that and say, hey, this is God's covenant with us, that, that he's never gonna st- destroy us again. You know, he's never gonna bring a flood again and, and tell the story of Noah and so forth. And, you know, how do you know when, when they've learned the story? When they're like, yeah, dad, I got it. You know, right about then is when they know the story. You got to say it over and over and over and over and over until the Bible says, teach them. That word teach means beat it into them. That's what it means. Amen? Not physically beat it into them, but you, they need to hear the father and mother's voice so that they can hear the father's voice. Amen? Amen. Uh, another one, and, and again, this rainbow, it, it's a symbol of hope. 
You know, and, and it should be, it lets us know that, that we do have a covenant with the living God. Amen. Another one is the Lord's Supper. That's another memorial or, or another reminder. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, it says, He took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, Do this in remembrance or as a reminder of what I did for you. That he sent, you know, he, he, he suffered and died for us. You know, monthly at Faith Family Church, we have communion here. It's a time that's set aside where, where we remember the shed blood and, and the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's not just something you, you, you have to just only do in church. You can do that at home as well. You know, maybe it's you're battling some sickness or, or some financial thing or, or whatever it is. You can come to God and you can have communion. We've got friends that were in the, the business that, that we were in up till two years ago and the, the federal government came after them. Well, how many people know when the federal government come after you? It's, it's not good, amen? However, they stood on the word and every single day for almost two years, they took communion. And one thing they did is, is they had the, the papers that the government, you know, government versus these people that I'm talking about, and every day they would, they would pour a little bit of the, the, the juice that, that they used for communion onto the papers because they were, they were covering it with the blood. It was, a, it was a reminder to them that the blood of Jesus co- not only covers our sins, it wipes our sins clean. It, it's for healing and, and for protection and, and for deliverance and all that. And how many of you know they ended up winning that case, amen? Because they were, they were not guilty. But I'm telling you, the government's thing is they, they've got unlimited resources and they can fight you. I always say that. You know, I, I went through the prison jail and prison system and I always tell people that are, that are committing crime, I say, hey, the police and the government, they got one thing on their side, time and money. And at some point, you're gonna screw up and they're gonna get you. Amen? Final thing, uh, final memorial that we'll talk about. It's in, in Joshua chapter three. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn back there. It's, it's about the, the 12 stones. And, and you guys remember the story, you know, uh, the Israelites, God did all these miracles and, and uh, uh, the plagues that, that were brought, you know, to, to Pharaoh and, and how the, the Israelites got delivered out of Egypt and they went through the Red Sea on dry ground, which was a miracle. I mean, how could you forget and murmur and complain. Well, it took him about three days to forget it, amen? And you know, I know we think we're different, but a lot of times when I stand at the front of the line, you know, it's like, God, where are you, you know? But, but that's why we, we do these things and have these conversations so that we remember back the things that God brought us out of and, and brought us through so that we can have remembrance and it, and it builds and our strengthens our faith and we say, God, if you did it then, you're gonna do it again, Amen. But the story goes in, in the last chapter of Deuteronomy, it's, it's the death of Moses. You know, God brings Moses up to the high mountain and he has him look out all over the, the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. And, and if you're in the men's group doing the book Maximize Manhood, that's the premise of the whole thing. The goal is to get to our land of Canaan, but it's not a destination. It's a journey and a process and a pursuit of, of becoming. And, and Ed Cole in that book, he talks about five things that keep us from there, things like lust and, and fornication and idolatry and, and various things that, that men and women struggle with that keep us from God's very best. But again, God brings Moses up to that, that mountain and he shows him the land of Canaan and he says, you know, the, the land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and that I talked to you about, here it is. And then Moses died. You know, it's like, man, how close he was to the promise and we know why he didn't get in there is because he disobeyed God and, and he struck the rock and out of anger and because of that one wrong move, he didn't end up getting in there. I was telling Melissa though, the Bible says, 
you know, I'm 48 years old today, and I'm like, man, sometimes I'm like, the light's, you know, getting a little bit uh, dimmer. And she said, no, it's not, not the lighting that's getting dimmer. And I said, well, Moses, he had perfect vision at 120, and he's, he was as strong as ever. And I'm declaring that, that right now, amen. I have perfect vision, and I'm stronger than ever, amen. And I declare that over you as well. But again, God buried him, so when God buries you, nobody can find the body. So we get over to Joshua chapter 1, and, and this is when Joshua w- was uh, made the leader now you know, over, over the Israelites, and the story prior was, was you have the 12 spies that went out, 10 brought an evil report, but Joshua and Caleb, they brought a good report, uh, and, you know, and so he's learning from that. So chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land I have given you. Uh, verse 5, it says, no one, and this needs to be your verse that you read to yourself every day, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And, you know, the King James says, I will not leave you or forsake you. God will never leave you or forsake you. Now, you can choose to leave God, but he'll never leave you. He's always standing there with arms wide open, welcoming you back into the family. Amen. Verse 9, it says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. How many of you know when you're put in the front of two million people, you need to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's be honest. If you're put in front of 200 people or 2,000 people, you need to be strong and courageous. We, we really don't think about, you know, the time and place that he was in. You know, Moses was the leader, and then now Joshua is put in that, that position of leadership. And so Moses, or, or Joshua learns from Moses' mistakes, so instead of sending 12 spies out, he sends two out. And so he sends them, you know, out to, to scope out the land, and, and they end up coming, and, you know, Rahab the harlot, y- you all know the story, it, she ends up hiding them basically in her house, a, a couple people come, they, they heard that there were spies in there, and, and so she lied and said, nope, you just missed them, they left out of the gate, you know, if you, if you hurry fast enough, you'll go and find them. And so then we pick this up, Joshua chapter 2, verse 8, uh, this is when, again, these two spies, she has hid them up in her, in her house, and she says, uh, or it says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. And here's what she said, I know that the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we, and we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now Rahab is a part of the enemy, and she's declaring that God, you know, is the supreme God, the God of heavens and above the earth, amen? And you think about this. Now, now the thing that happened in Sihon and, and, and Og, that was just a few months ago or less than a year ago. However, they heard the story of the Red Sea that was 40 years ago. These Israelites are out wandering around in the wilderness. It should have been an 11-day journey, and they're wandering for 40 years, not realizing that the enemy is petrified and terrified and waking up each and every morning scared that what if today is the day that the Israelites come and attack us and kill us and, and, and takes, take what is rightfully theirs. They weren't scared of the people, but you remember back, what did the 12 or the 10 spies that, that had the evil report, what did they say? 
We are as, as in, you know, like grasshoppers in their sight because they were giants. However, the giants understood that it wasn't about the grasshoppers, it was about the God that they served. Amen? Amen. So again, it's so important to hand these stories down and, and to have a memorial and to have a remembrance of these stories. Amen? And that's what happened here. And they ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years instead of getting through in that 11 days. Joshua chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over, over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So think about this. The Jordan River is about 90 to 100 feet wide. You know, at most places, it's, it's narrower now because a lot of, you know, irrigation and stuff happens. But back then, it was about three to 10 feet deep. However, this was harvest time, and this was the time when the, the Jordan River was flooding. And how many people know when a river is flooded, it, it flows very, very rapidly. And so what does it say? It says, that God put up a wall, and not just a wall, but he pushed the waters back, and they were able to walk through. You know, some people say it was around two million people. I don't know the exact amount of people. However, they were able to walk through there on dry ground. That's a miracle, amen? Regardless of how many people it is. So again, he held the waters back, and they came up, you know, to the river with the, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and, 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 and walk through there. Joshua chapter four, verse one through seven, it says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them to take 12 stones, one from every place, or one from the very place uh, where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he told them, go into the middle, middle of the Jordan, uh, in front of the ark of your, the Lord your God, each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulders. So these were big stones that they had to carry out. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. Say remember. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you will tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial or a reminder among the people of Israel forever. Verse 21 says, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried, up, dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. So in Christianity, we have memorials, we have reminders. And what does he say? Tell these to your kids when they ask, hey, what, what are these there for? What does that rainbow mean? Why do we do communion? Why do people come forward and, and give their life to Christ? Why do people get water baptized? Those are all memorials and reminders. And, and we need to remember those in our own lives, amen? And we need to teach them to our children and our children's children. My boys know when they wake up on their birthday, they get to hear their birth story 
each and every year. And they act like they don't want to hear it, but they love hearing it. And they're going to end up telling it to their kids. And they're going to tell their kids the story of, of how they were born and, and what happened in those events. But again, it's setting a culture and a precedence that these things are important and we need to be sharing them. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, it says, watch out. Be very careful never to forget what you have seen God doing for you. May his miracles have a deep and permanent effect upon your lives. Here it is. Tell your children and your grandchildren about the glorious miracles he did. If the music ministry or whoever's playing, if you want to come up as I'm wrapping up here, again, your salvation experience, it's very important. You know, whether you got a crazy story like, like Melissa and I do or whether you got a story of, of just, you know, growing up in the church, both of those stories are important because you can reach people I can't reach and I can reach people you can't reach, but it all works together, amen? So again, water baptism. When did you get filled with the Holy Spirit? How did that story roll? You know, miracles God has done in your life. You know, I, I think about uh, my, my friend Samantha that's, that's sitting up there and, and how she's got a, a brother and a friend that, that have been struggling with, with meth addiction and how I told her the stories of, of my friend Travis. Travis, stand up just for a second. So my buddy Travis and, and how he was living in his, his basement and, and uh, you can sit down, brother, but, you know, he was living in his basement and, and you know, was deep in, in meth addiction and had no hope no hope for his future. And, you know, he called and, and we brought him to church and, and pastors prayed over him and, and something happened immediately in that, that moment. And, you know, granted, it was a miracle that happened in that one moment of time. However, he still had to go through the renewal process, that growth process and so forth. But there's many people in here that have been delivered from addiction. And, and that gives a person like Samantha hope for her brothers and her cousins to hear those testimonies and those stories. I know the other night, you know, Kirk invited my, my uh, youngest two uh, and I out to the racetrack where he was racing circle track on, on motorcycles. And, you know, I told Melissa, I'm going out to watch. It's practice. And, of course, right away, put the boots on. And, and I love speed. You know, I, I don't mind going fishing and stuff, but, man, I love going fast. I love power. And so he's like, you want to ride it? And I'm like, absolutely. And so, you know, I took some some circles on, on the motorcycle, and then we came back, and he had to work on the bike, and, you know, he had a couple friends, and, you know, I'm wise enough. I came out of, you know, drugs, and I was a drug dealer. I, I, know, I know the drill. I know the routine, and I, 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 I know when I see stuff going on, and I asked him. I said, Kirk, you know, when you're out here at the racetrack, I said, do you ever, do you ever battle with, with addiction and, and getting that taste back again? He goes, nope. He goes, I had a guy ask me a couple years ago if, if I wanted something, and he goes, when I said no, it was like it broke. You know, it's like you say no one time, you know, or yes one time, and you'll go down that path, but you say no one time, and, and you'll continue down that path, and, and he's forever been delivered of that, that addiction, amen, and those testimonies and those stories, it gives people hope, amen, amen. 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 You know, I think uh, last week I was in, in the gym on Sunday afternoon and, and uh, working out, and my headphones are busted, so I got one ear that works and one that doesn't, but it was a good, good thing that day, because I'm, I'm, I'm working out, and I'm hearing this conversation that's going on a little ways away, and and there's this guy in there, and, and he's talking about uh, being an ex-Mormon. And I was just like, oh, God, you know, just the setup. I'm calling my shot, and I mean, you're just teeing me up here. And so, of course, I can't keep my mouth shut, so I go over, and, and once I got done with the conversation, I just said, hey, man, you know, I, I heard you say that, that you're an ex-Mormon. And I didn't say I'm on staff at this church and none of that. I just, I was curious. I was curious about his life. I didn't go in with an agenda other than to find out more about his story. Seek to understand rather than be an understood. 
Amen? And again, if we do that, so I asked him about a story, and he talked about, you know, how growing up in that, that religion, how it was a cult, and what he was taught and, and trained and so forth. And we, you know, kind of shared back and forth, and then I got to share my story. I said, hey, you know, I own this, this very gym back between 1996 and 2001. My dream was to become a professional bodybuilder, you know, shared how I got into to drugs and selling drugs, steroids, ecstasy, you name it. If it was illegal, I sold it. You know, his eyes were getting big. I mean, he, he couldn't believe that, you know, and, and I said, yeah, I got arrested November 20th of 2001. Uh, that was the day that forever changed my life. I ended up spe spending three and a half years in prison. However, I got born again that day. My wife got born again that day. You know, God changed everything for us. That was my testimony. Now, I could have sat and, and shared a bunch of scriptures with them and, and had an agenda that if I don't lead this guy to the Lord, you know, it was for naught, but, but a seed was planted that day, amen? And that doesn't mean that if you, if you do have an opportunity to pray and lead somebody to the Lord, absolutely do that. However, the seed was planted. He said he was an atheist, but I didn't hear that. He's just confused. See, he's been taught a religion that, that says this. You've got to work your way and you've got to earn the Father's forgiveness. And if you do enough good deeds and enough good works and enough good things, then maybe, just maybe, he's going to forgive you and, and he's going to say at the end of your life, well done, and, and, and you, can, you can come in. Well, well, we serve a God that, that 2,000 years ago, he, he put his best foot forward, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, amen? So 2,000 years ago, he showed how much he loves us. And we can't earn that. He, he sent his very best, his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the ultimate penalty that none of us could pay, amen? And we work from that position of grace, from that position of, of strength. The Bible says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone could boast. It's by grace through faith, and I've really been meditating on that because I'm like, you know what, even if it was our faith, our faith is what receives it, but it's all by grace because even if we said, hey, I had enough faith to get saved, then it could be works, amen? amen. And you really meditate and ponder on that. It's all by God's grace. And I explained that to him, and I just said this. I said, man, I encourage you in this. Just really meditate on the fact that God is a good God. He's a good father. And he just wants to have a relationship with you. And he's proved that by, again, 2,000 years ago, sending his very best gift, his son, Jesus Christ, for you. And if you'll just ask him, just, just open your heart up. Just say, God, show me, show yourself to me. I, I promise you he will. And, of course, every day since then I've been praying for him. And, you know, I don't know if I'll bump into him again or not. However, it was funny because he said, my wife's an agnostic. So an atheist, you know, believes that there's some stuff out there. An agnostic doesn't believe that there's anything. But she said to him, yeah, we need to find a church. So again, people are just confused. But what do we do as Christians? We go, oh, I, I got to be like this humble little meek mouse that, that can't talk. And what if I say something and then, you know, I get fired or whatever. And granted, you're not to be at work, you know, to, to share the gospel all day long. However, God will set up moments for you where you can plant seeds and you can sow seeds of, of just his love and mercy and forgiveness. Amen. So if you're in here this morning and, you know, this, this born again experience, it's like I told him, I said, I said, you know, the, the guy that I was, I said, man, I, I was a train wreck. I mean, I was a puke face, just, just being real with you. On the outside, it looked like I had it all together, but on the inside, man, wrong motives all the way around. But I said, this day, November 20th of 2001, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and I made him Lord of my life, I can't explain it with my mind, but I know that I know that I know something supernatural happened. And from that day forward, Everything has been different. I was driving to, to, to church here this morning and I was just like, God, the life that you've given me, 
you know, just humbled by the fact of, of who I was and, and the things that I was doing and, and where I'm at today. It's only by God's grace. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.